Hello, welcome to Baby Boomer Tales. My name is Jim. Thank you for coming along with us today. You can find us at babyboomertales.com. Once you've arrived, there are links to Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, more places that you can access our podcast. There's also a link to review and possibly purchase our book, Got a Job. It's a great book if you want to give a gift to somebody that's a little bit older, maybe they lost their job somewhere along the way. It's full of inspiration and has quite an uplifting message if I don't say so myself. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving. And I decided to give you three short stories about three different Thanksgivings I had over the years. We'll start with the first one. My first story is about we'd always go to my grandparents for Thanksgiving dinner every year, every year, every year. I talked about this last Thanksgiving. All my aunts and uncles and cousins would show up. Grandma and Grandpa would be there, and Grandma kind of ran the whole deal. It was wonderful, and after dinner, my grandpa would take all his son-in-laws over next door to my Uncle Clifford's house, and they'd all play poker, and my dad really never was comfortable with the whole situation. About the time I became a teenager, and I'm not sure how old I was, but dad came up with a great plan. We were going to go to Denver for Thanksgiving, spend a couple days there. I'm not sure how he convinced my mother to leave her family on Thanksgiving Day and go down to Denver. But we went there, and we stayed at the Hilton Hotel, and we ate Thanksgiving dinner at a place I believe was called the Piccadilly Restaurant. I may be wrong, and I tried looking that up yesterday as I was preparing for this recording. And I couldn't find anything in Denver about a Piccadilly restaurant. And really about the only Piccadilly restaurants I could find in the United States were kind of like buffets and things. But this was not that. It was a sit-down restaurant with linen tablecloths, waiters, and I believe they possibly wore white gloves. It was pretty fancy. Crystal goblets for your water. And here we come four kids and my mom and dad. I remember the restaurant was not busy at all. Every year we ate there and we could walk from the Hilton to the restaurant. So dad must have convinced my mom that let's live it up a little. We work and we scrimp and we save and let's just stay at the Hilton and have a nice fancy dinner. And my mom must have said that was okay. The only way I could even imagine that she would leave her family like that on Thanksgiving Day. Now, when we'd hang around afterwards, I remember one time going back to the hotel after dinner. Somehow, my little brother Don bought a tambourine. I think it might have been in a pawn shop as we were walking by. Stopped in there, and he got this tambourine. Let me interject a little something here about that tambourine. I kind of took that tambourine over and it was in my rock and roll band a few years later. And I do believe it survived being in my band and was in Don's band when he got a little older also. So that was a good purchase my little brother made. Before we made it to the hotel, a guy, and we called him a bum back then, 
He must have been a homeless guy, but he walked up to my brother Don and said, y'all have some money, some spare change I can have? I remember Don looked right at him. Don couldn't have been 10 years old. He was probably more like seven or eight. He told the guy, get a job. None of us even spoke to the guy, including my dad or mom. And that was my first encounter with somebody that was homeless. If you remember back in the 60s, there were still remnants of hobos around. I remember watching the train tracks. I could sit there at my grandma's on her yard and look down the hill at the trains going by. And I remember guys riding on top of freight cars and stuff on the train. So we weren't that far removed from the hobos and whatever back then. And the whole situation was not like what we have in this day and age. It was pretty interesting, I have to admit. I'll never forget that time. One time at the hotel, there were three guys, about 16, and I was about 16. I do believe this is the last year we ever did the uh, Thanksgiving in Denver. But they were right around my age, and I can't remember why they were in Denver at Thanksgiving vacation. But anyway, I started palling around with them, and one evening... We went down to what was called Larimer Street. And back in those days, before Denver cleaned up the lower downtown and made it full of restaurants and shops and sporting events and things, it was just full of girly shows and dive bars and strip joints and all that stuff. And we goofed around Larimer Street for an evening. I came home. My dad was waiting for me. Now, whenever I came home late or something, it was always my mom waiting for me. But he was waiting for me. And he knew exactly where I had been. It's like he read my mail. Well, I don't think we ever went back to Denver. Maybe I ruined it for everyone. Maybe I rescued it for my mom. She got to go back to be with her mom and her sisters and her brothers. I mean, I was just 16. Come on. My second story... In October of 1969, I was driving through upstate New York and New England, witnessing the beautiful fall colors of that region, and listening to the New York Mets playing the Baltimore Orioles in the World Series. Well, the Mets went on to win that series, and they were called the Miracle Mets, and it was quite the brouhaha. They were so hapless for several seasons and then all of a sudden they discovered magic in a bottle and won that series and went down in history as one of the greatest comeback teams ever there was. That was fun, listening to the Mets, driving through New England, seeing the bright golds and reds and purples, just abundance covering the hills and going through on the roads almost like a tunnel of color. Finally, we made it to the Boston area my destination. I was moving up there basically because I didn't have anything else to do and it sounded like a hoot. So I made it up there and I found a place to live in an apartment house in Somerville, Massachusetts, which is a suburb of Boston. I was three doors down from Cambridge and Cambridge is probably famous for being the town that Harvard University is in. But there's a lot of colleges and universities all around there. Students everywhere. The apartment I lived in was just an old house that they had made about four apartments into. 
And so we all knew each other over a course of not very much time. There were two guys that were students at Berkeley College of Music, and so they were just very, very all about music, everything they did. There was a couple, and he was like a blue-collar construction worker, and his wife was very, very pregnant. There's another apartment where she was just a gal, and he was a motorcycle, all black leather guy. Nice enough guy, but a little intense. There's also the lady that owned the apartment house. She lived there also. Her name was Daisy, and she had to be nine and a half, ten, eleven months pregnant. Round as a bowling ball. Nicest person in the world. All alone. I can't remember what happened to her husband. But she was a good landlord and she ate dinner with us also. Then there was me. Where I want to go with this is that was the middle of October that we went up there. And Thanksgiving was right around the corner. And for Thanksgiving, all of us that lived in that apartment house got together and had a Thanksgiving dinner. I can't remember what I contributed, but I remember sitting there eating Thanksgiving dinner and playing on the stereo during the whole course of the dinner was Arlo Guthrie's masterpiece, Alice's Restaurant. Now, if you're not familiar with it, you really ought to sit down with YouTube or somebody and listen to it. It really is an amazing thing how he could go on and on and not stumble over any words and tell his story and his tell, make you laugh, make you wonder. You can get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant, including Alice. <laughs> what a great, great song. Now, it's something you just can't listen to every day, like What a Day for a Daydream, or I Want to Hold Your Hand. It's not one of those deals. It lasts at least a half an hour. It goes on and on and on. I don't really recommend it for music while you're eating your Thanksgiving dinner, but it was so unique that I remember it to this day. Thank you, Arlo. And our third story. We moved from a little town I was raised in, in Colorado, to the Midwest. We basically came here with practically nothing. Clothes on our back, a few personal items, and a very small U-Haul trailer with some household things in it. One of those things was a microwave convection combination oven. We had purchased it two or three years before, and I didn't even know what a microwave oven was till my wife came home with this thing. And it was fairly big. It was twice as big as what you see today in microwave ovens. And I remember it cost like seven or eight hundred dollars but my wife convinced me that we could microwave and, and do this convection at the same time and cook our food like nobody's business. One thing I always speak about is how good of a cook my wife is. And I don't exaggerate that even a little bit. She's an excellent cook. But back then, when we'd been married just a very few years, she was not a good cook. She burnt water, basically. She was so fast food and this is one reason we purchased that microwave convection she wanted everything cooked very fast i mean she'd make me pancakes and they'd be burnt on both sides and maybe even kind of raw inside there she cooked it so fast 
so that's not to put my wife down. I, I'm just trying to tell you how far she's come. She made herself a good cook. And in those days, I don't think I was going to starve to death, but she burned a lot of food a lot of the time. <laughs> okay. So anyway, so our first Thanksgiving in the Midwest, and we had the turkey and we thawed the turkey out and all that. And that morning she gets up. And about an hour or two later, she came, found me, whatever I was doing, crying. And she had ruined the turkey. And I said, what do you mean, ruined the turkey? Well, she had microwaved it for a couple hours with a convection oven. I went and looked at that bird, and it was just all shriveled up and black and smoking and gnarly and nasty looking. And it didn't even resemble a turkey. I'm not sure what it resembled. Anyway... She told me I needed to go find another turkey. Now, my wife doesn't get upset very often, and she usually has very good control of her emotions. Most of the time, I mean, you know. And all of a sudden, it's like 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning on Thanksgiving morning, and she's telling me I have to go find a turkey. Well, if that had been back home, we would have been just out of luck because everything had been closed. One grocery store in the town back then at that time. So I started, we lived pretty much right square in the city, and I started driving, and I drove, and I looked, and I drove, and I would pound on doors at grocery stores. Once in a while, something was open, but all the turkeys were frozen. Finally, I found this little store, and I went in, pretty much feeling lost and hopeless by then. And they had a great selection of fresh turkeys. So I took it home and I helped her prepare it. And we cooked it without the microwave oven. And we had a nice Thanksgiving dinner. Well, that was Thanksgiving of 1989. And for the next 28 years, I cooked the Thanksgiving turkey. I got into it like nobody's business. I could really make that turkey where it was juicy and tasty and wonderful. And my wife didn't have to worry about ruining the bird that year. Well, about two or three years ago, I all of a sudden fell out of love with wanting to cook the Thanksgiving turkey. Didn't want to do it anymore. My wife now cooks it, and since she is a much better cook than me anyway, that turkey's better than what I used to make, and I used to be famous in my mind for cooking that turkey. I'm glad that things like running and burning the bird on Thanksgiving morning didn't ruin our relationship. If anything, it made us stronger, that we could figure out a way to overcome that obstacle, just like we found so many ways to overcoming obstacles before that Thanksgiving and in the years following. No place is problem-free. It's really how you deal with the problem which charts the character of the person. What do they say? I think Churchill said it the best. Never, ever give up. I want you all to have a nice, happy Thanksgiving. Kindness matters everywhere you go. I'll be back next Wednesday. Peace out.